Hello, and welcome to the Clink Tank. Cheers! Cheers! The Clink Tank, where we talk about any and everything under the sun, except politics. Yes, I am Patrick Donahai, and with me today is... Not as always, but Maddie Box. Sonny <laughs> B, Gary Bernard DiNardo. And I'm Seth Alcorn. What? Yes, am I a special guest? Well, actually, no. Welcome to another episode of Arrow, Chapter, and Verse. This is an Arrow, Chapter, and Verse special edition. In fact, this is special edition number one, making it an Arrow, Chapter, and Verse, and Clint Tank crossover. Yes, can you say bonus episode? Bonus. can and I will. That was a Mel Brooks twist there. Yeah, it, it sure was. It sure was. We went Brooksian on we your did. And we're going to go Brooksian again because Patrick and I decided that we wanted to um, we wanted to watch something that we enjoy. Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. It, well, it, we deserve not nigh we deserve to watch. We deserve to <laughs> Yes. After after watching three hundred episodes of the Arrowverse in Roughly nine months. I, I thought that it was time for a break and time to talk about something that I enjoy. Now, will there be other special editions in the future? Oh, yes. There's one coming up after this, and then we have another one. We know what we're going to do for the other one after that. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's planned. Yeah. And, you know, we at the Clink Tank, we're goers. We're always yeah. thinking, you know, why not give some bonus episode to the folks, right? Right, oh, right guys. Chime in here. Yes. Absolutely. Hey, we're, we're just guests on this one. We don't have to carry anything. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, this no, no. Is, this, this is, is a, a combo. It's a crossover. It's, it's, a, cross- it's a crossover. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's uh, a spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick and I do have some bad news to announce. Uh, and that is that Arrow Chapter and Verse, for as long as I've been running it, and that would be since like February, uh, has been an Eight episode a month show. And that's insane. That's a lot of content. We cannot keep up that pace. So this is going to be the last week where we formally promise to give you two episodes a week of Arrow, Chapter, and Verse. We're going to go down. We're going to commit to four episodes a month like a normal podcast that does a lot of episodes. Now, you may be asking yourself, why? Why? Why would you do that? I hear you. I do. But when Seth started by himself, he the episodes were what? 20, 45 minutes? 20 minutes. Like one of them was eight. I could knock out several (laughs) an hour. (laughs) And then I said, hey, Seth, let me join you. And somehow the episode lengths went to an hour and a half. Or two hours. Or two hours. I'm not saying that, you know, I talk a lot or anything like that <laughs> you, you, you certainly make things bigger <laughs> oh hey. sorry, like, sorry sorry i like sorry. the way you know don't apologize longer. i like longer i like i like that too <laughs> so even even with this being uh, the arrowverse being a a no effort podcast mm-hmm. um it's still something like minimum two hours and 15 minutes to record one of these shows and we can't dedicate 18 hours of our lives uh, to making one show a month when uh, we're also doing How I Spent My Allowance 
and the clink tank and flailing from first and definitely not trying to get this blue beetle blue beetle booster gold thing off the ground absolutely that is not going to definitely happen that is yes that is not <laughs> that is not a thing that we're working on as we speak uh, <laughs> has, has that been mentioned before on a podcast uh once or twice you know, yeah, several times it's, it's, yeah, we've been, when did you both turn into altos <laughs> you know you know yeah, you know, there, there was an outline, and then that is formed into like a you know a pilot script that's coming right along. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, we apologize. We're sorry. We would, of course, like to continue to produce eight episodes a month. It's just it's just not in the cards. Right. But uh, what that means, though, is four episodes of Arrow a month, two episodes of How I Spent My Allowance. One episode of Flailing Through First, so that is uh, that is seven episodes of uh, Steve Network goodness, and that's not counting the clink tank. Right, and the clink because... tank will get on some sort of regular <laughs> yes, schedule. We promise you, we're shooting for. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out right here for you, Ooh. folks. I'm Ooh. gonna say Lay-out. you're gonna no, you're gonna Patrick, uh-huh. Patrick. This is a perfect time to quote, to use a particular quote down on Front Street. No. from the movie we just watched (laughs) lay it on me because i am excuse me while i whip this out (laughs) (laughs) excuse me while i whip this out for you (laughs) oh (laughs) um yeah i'm gonna try to we're gonna try the clink tank is gonna give you some sort of content once a week oh wow that's better than our eight eight episodes a year. <laughs> you watch your ass, Matty. <laughs> I mean, he hangs around me, so he does. Well, so yeah, so that's tons of content for the Steve Network. And if you're listening to some good, you must be listening. <laughs> so, without further ado. Uh, as some of you have no doubt guessed, we watched Blazing Saddles. Uh, because yes. if, you, if you've listened to Arrow, Chapter, and Verse at all, <laughs> we quote incessantly from Blazing Saddles. Well, not just Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks, period. Mel Brooks in general. Yeah. The, but, the Mel Brooks oeuvre. oeuvre. <laughs> but um, a, lot of, a lot of Blazing Saddles. And what we were shocked to find is that while Patrick and I have seen Blazing Saddles many, many times, uh, Shawnee B and Matty Box and, and Gary D. have never seen the full movie. Nope. Well, that has been remedied. It's been remedied. <laughs> Check oh, it off the list. As we get going, I should also mention, you know, I made a special cocktail for this one. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to send it out to the guys to replicate so i'm drinking alone but (laughs) (laughs) i mean technically you're you're drinking with us we're just not physically with you Uh, of course we're judging of course (laughs) and and patrick if i'm in the room or on the zoom or whatever you're never drinking alone there we go ah cheers cheers Cheers, (laughs) cheers 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 Hashtag alcoholic. It's fine. <laughs> um, and so what I am drinking, uh, I have called a Bart attack. 
in ah, our, nice in Arda in honor of Blazing Saddles and and Cleavon Little's portrayal of Bart the sheriff. It is um, blueberries, blackberries, strawberries, peaches. Pineapple. Oh, prairie shit. Every fruit. <laughs> um, blended with ice and a large amount of Tito's vodka. Oh, that sounds ah, so Tito's. good. <laughs> yes. It, it does. Is, oh, Ooh. and also Simply Limeade. Oh, <laughs> a, splash, a, a splash of Simply Limeade. You know, Patrick. Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. Please finish. I was going to say it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that if you wanted to get a little activated charcoal and throw that in there, and I only say this because I've been watching baking shows, so I know it's safe. If you got a little activated charcoal and threw that in there, you could have a black bark. Mm. So does the charcoal just make it black? It just makes it black. I'll say this. It also has blackberries. But yeah, yeah. Black- and I only know that because I made the fruit salad it came from. He did. Oh, <laughs> kiwi is also in here. It's a rainbow fruit salad, so there's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. And if Aww. I'm not mistaken, there is no bananas in that fruit salad. Yes, Correct. we have. That would no be a bananas. fruit salad I would like. No bananas. <laughs> we have no bananas today. There's a touch of honey and a touch of lemon. <laughs> A hint. <laughs> Love you, shoddy baby. The Gary Bernard Donardo story. <laughs> a hint of lemon. A hint of lemon. I don't know why that's a title of here. <laughs> a hint of lemon and a riddle of kiwi. A riddle of kiwi. A riddle of kiwi. Hmm. Riddle well, me this, kiwi. <laughs> riddle me this, kiwi. Why are you so fuzzy? <laughs> Why do you look suspiciously like a test? Anyway, moving on. Why are there two? We should probably Take talk no about reason for that fur. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> blazing what happens saddles. when we let so, Patrick Blake alone. Blazing saddles. Blazing saddles. The, the plot of blazing saddles, because we usually do sort of plot-focused reviews. Mm-hmm. So here's what it is. A conniving government official <laughs> wants to send a railroad through an existing town. To do this, he hires thugs and he sends the town a black sheriff. And that's it. That's the plot of the movie. Yeah. It's also 1874? It's 1874, yes. Um, and so this is a Western. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I will people. say that, again, <laughs> I... There, there is a YouTube, uh, like a 35-minute YouTube review called You Couldn't Make Blazing Saddles Today, which essentially explains that it was almost literally the Western to end all Westerns. Yes. Like, there was a particular type of Western. There is the family-friendly, quite literally whitewashed Western um, that was very popular in the... Again, I'm quoting from this thing that I watched once. But if I remember correctly... There were something like 40 Western shows on TV at one time, mm-hmm. at one point. Yeah. And after wow. Blazing at Saddles the same time? at the same time. Uh, literally, they were all wow. Tuesdays at 8. No. Huh. I, uh, <laughs> you said so matter-of-factly. Yes. There weren't even that many channels back then. No. Yeah. But after Blazing Saddles came out, that type of Western disappeared. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
and, and for good reason. It's honestly not a great type of Western, even though it was very popular. And that's the thing that, okay, so watching Blazing Saddles now, and the reason that, you know, this video, like anyone would say, oh, you could not make Blazing Saddles now, is because it is completely uh, not cultural, culturally sensitive to any culture. It's, it, it's, it's right with slurs. It yeah. is. Now, it is. But the reason it is that way is because it's it's literally pointing out how westerns were so like you say completely whitewashed and yeah. not culturally sensitive at all i mean true enough the times you know like in 1840 18 what did we say 1874? 1874 yeah. 1874 absolutely <laughs> you know no cultural sensitivity no. period but at the time that people were making westerns you could be, you know, a little more sensitive. And the biggest stars, you know, in these Westerns, a lot of times were huge racists. Yeah. <laughs> John Wayne. John Wayne. <laughs> it's like... Um, he, he was incredibly racist. On a scale of one to H.P. Lovecraft, oh. he, he's, he's at least a seven... Um, Vic Morrow's character from the Twilight Zone movie. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So that's an obscure reference. Deep. <laughs> I'm like I'm lost. <laughs> but um, so in this movie, you have Slim Pickens uh, and Harvey Corman and uh, this cat, Gene Wilder. Yeah. All of these huge Madeline liberals, Kahn. Madeline yeah. Kahn, yeah. huge liberals, which am playing these parts, and they are amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman. Harvey oh. Corman in Harvey this Corman. movie should have gotten an Oscar. He honestly yeah. should have. Yeah. It, this it's at a time where they weren't giving this kind of movie. Uh, no, there where there you could only pick five, and they all had to be dramas. Yeah. Well, um, actually, Madeline Kahn was nominated for supporting actress. Oh, was she? Yeah, was I looked she? it up. Yeah, Incredible. for this movie, that's crazy. isn't that crazy? Oh. But she was amazing. Very awesome. well worth it. Yeah, she absolutely deserved it. She should have won. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, like who won that year? Her, no, that she was now. probably up against Sally Field. I'm not sure, but I will look that up <laughs> while you guys. Um, but uh, Harvey Corman, we've talked before on other shows about good actors in bad movies chewing the scenery. Harvey Corman is a good actor in a good movie, but he's playing an over-the-top villain. So he chews the scenery which, with such gusto and intent. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Like, you watch Harvey Corman in this role, and you're aware that he's over-the-top and chewing the scenery, but you can't imagine a Hedley Lamar being played any other way that would work. Nope. No. It it is a master class. Yeah. It's, of, of, oh, it's of overacting. Uh, <laughs> but in the right way. Are you familiar with uh, Picasso with the Le Pan Yes. 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 I okay, just right. did it, as, it was the first virtual production I did. Oh, nice. Okay. So um, I saw a production of that uh, show once. I was actually in that show once, but that's a different story. Uh, I saw a production of that show once where the guy playing the um, the agent like the art 
the art, the guy who bought the art, I forget what his name is, mm-hmm. um, looked like and acted like Harvey Corman in Blazing Saddles. And it was brilliant. I can absolutely see that working. Yeah. If you have the right person doing that. Yeah, and he definitely <laughs> was the right person. And I, I told him so after the show. And I, as I recall, that was what he was looking for. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it's like, it's it's almost for this, I, I don't really want to go, <laughs> I don't really want to go plot point by plot point. No. I kind of want to go joke by joke, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I let. I mean, I will put this out there, sort of, Front Street ish. Oh, we should do Front a, Street. A, a trigger warning, if you will. Yes. If 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 you are planning to watch this movie before you start it, please know, please be aware that the language um, is very jarring. It, it, to hear the slurs that are thrown about as they were. Yeah. Um, imagine, if you will, watching a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. It, um, it's, it's, I very much <laughs> got a Django feet. Unchained uh, kind of vibe or, or rhythm with the slurrings. Yes. Um, and, and it's also, it's not just limited to race. There's uh, the most common gay slur gets thrown around a mm-hmm. lot. Um, yeah, the F-bomb gets uh, dropped. Yes. There's just... As, as well as there's a character whose name is flat out uh, discriminatory against yeah. uh, people with Down syndrome. Or Mongo? Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, is that short for mongoloid? Oh, don't worry, guys. I was keeping track of Thank all you. the you. I didn't even, I, yeah, I didn't, didn't pick even up on that. Realize yeah. that, no, because my when you say Mongo to me, I instantly go to the uh, anti Asian stereotype, Emperor Ming of Mongo. Ah, uh, uh, but that's that's a stereotype of a different color. Yes. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> So really, I, I literally did a count of all the slurs I caught. Thank you, Gary. Oh, yeah. Tell <laughs> us, Gary. And, uh, well, I mean, we get the first one within the, like, I'll say you get beyond the opening song and title credits, mm-hmm. and it, I'm going to say minute 30, if yeah. that long. Yeah, if it, yeah. Bam. I, <laughs> and I will say, I've I, as I've never seen it, I have heard a lot about that movie and that you know, I've also heard that it couldn't be remade today, blah, blah, blah. But I was, I, I will say I was not prepared for how much that the, the slurs were going to fly. Like, yeah. I, I really was unprepared for that. And they're right. You couldn't remake it today because Westerns don't have the same cultural cachet, right? right? Now, yeah. I, I will say this as a straight cis white dude in this podcast um there are things that did not age well but as patrick sort of said i think most of these slurs are justified not out of a sense of historical realism but out of a sense of who this movie is actually satirizing and Mm -hmm. what it is satirizing there's a reason those slurs are in there 
and it is not just to shock or because the writer of the screenplay thought it was cool, Quentin Tarantino looking at you, not at your feet. Right. Um, and it is to be mentioned, you know, the people writing this aren't all cis white yeah. men. Uh, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor was. is one of the writers. Yeah. Um, you have, I mean, uh, Mel Brooks, who's Jewish. You have. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, that is a, that is a, a very complicated <laughs> issue, which Mel Brooks only lightly touches on in a way that I think could be handled better if that movie were to, were to be remade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm also talking about the stuff that the Jewish slurs and the, the, you know. Uh, he doesn't use any. He, he doesn't use the slurs, but he does use no. the stereotypes. But he does, he does use yeah. the stereotypes. But that's, I mean, even even that we don't see a whole lot of. Like, there's not a there's not a Jewish moneylender. There's not, you know, somebody who's greedy or grasping or anything like that, except mm-hmm. for Hedley Lamar. Um, yeah. But uh, and Lepetamine. Le Lepetamine is, but he's sort of just. Lepetamine is essentially Trump if you took out the nastiness. Yeah. I mean, he's, it, he is painted completely as a moron. A, a, a corrupt... A corrupt moron. moron. Yeah. Um, I, I watched, uh, before we started the podcast, I, I saw that HBO Max did a, um, a disclaimer. Like, they had a, a woman from uh, AFI talk about, for about five minutes, about why the language and stuff is in there and why it's, she did mention it was kind of like a time capsule and that what Patrick said, but she also mentioned that um, everyone who says that word is, is like a, um, is treated as like a dumb, bigot, mm-hmm. uninformed person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the two smartest people in the movie are mm-hmm. Bart and um, Jim. And, and Jim. Yeah. 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 Well, and well, I'll also say the, Sorry, go ahead, Patrick. No, I was just going to say, and also, Hedley Lamar never says it. That's true, too, yeah. Madeline Kahn never says it. It's like, yeah, anybody who is at all elevated as far as intelligence Mm -hmm. never uses the word. That's true, yeah, you're right. Even the the pastor in the church never says it. He's still mm. racist, but he never says it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, I started listening to that. I uh, for that a, a bit, and it was like once I re- realized, I was like, "Hey, uh, Headley Lamar has never, never refers to him as the N word." Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also much appreciated the hangman. Being yes. the most woke person <laughs> in the movie. I assure you, everyone's equal in my eye. <laughs> oh, that is, by the way, that is that is my go-to for, like, hunch, hunchback voice. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. E- Igor-style hunchback voice. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that character in another Mel Brooks movie? Because It was like Robin Hood Men in Tights. Ah, yes. Okay. But it was a different actor. Okay. Oh. I also I also just love it because this is a dude who's dressed up in full medieval hang like he's got a studded leather uh, hood <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and he's just out there hanging people. Yeah, like, and horses. And, and horses. horses. <laughs> no explanation. He's just there. Uh I and there's and, a line. 
Yeah. Like he's like, he's got a full calendar of people to hang. Well, yeah, two he, people called out of work. People called <laughs> sick. So his day was a doozy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who could possibly fit him in before Monday? <laughs> I do want to jump back a little bit um, yeah. to where, uh, like I said, we're not going plot boy by plot point, but we can't. No, yeah. we couldn't. We'll be here forever. But um, <laughs> the, when, the group of railway workers, black railway workers are asked to sing a work song and they break into, um, I get a kick kick out of you. Yeah. Is the title is the song. And I'm sure it was Cleavon little singing. But he sounded, and I don't know, you youngsters won't know this, may not know this, but he sounded so much like Nat King Cole. Oh. Which I almost wanted to look up and see if they had gotten someone to to voiceover sing for him. But when he hit his little run, I was like, no, that is Cleavon Little. He was smooth. I was very impressed. (laughs) Well, you said he was a Tony Award actor. Oh, no. That's what the HBO Max said. He was a Tony Award actor. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he was in musicals. Oh. He might have been. I, I mean, think so, because, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that the only other thing I ever saw Cleavon Little in, and that was for half a second, was a, a bad television show where a, a, a black dad with kids married a white mom with kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at one point, it was Frankie Faison playing the character... And then the next time I watched, for some reason, it was Cleavon Little. And those are the only two things I've seen him in. But I'm like, Cleavon Little is so brilliant in this movie. Yeah. Well, have you ever seen Once Bitten, the Jim Carrey movie from the Oh, 80s? is he in that? Yeah. Yeah, he plays uh, Sebastian, who's like, I guess, the woman's like butler slash mm-hmm. assistant. And he plays, a com- it's a completely different character. Um, yeah. I love him in that. <laughs> well, maybe we'll watch that movie. Ooh. <laughs> Can't turn down a Jim Carrey movie. Um, <laughs> I, I think that um, what happened with Cleavon Little is he was eclipsed by Richard Pryor. Yeah, Richard Pryor's Richard Pryor's career took off oh. right as this movie took off, and of course, because it's Hollywood, you can't have two black funny. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> actors in 1978 I want to say this is? 74 no 1875 75 it okay. was the 75 Oscars so I guess it came maybe it came 74. out 74 74 yeah. okay so well that would make sense they're talk about 1874 yeah so 100 yeah. years later 1974 they're making yeah. a movie um but yeah I, I think he was overshadowed by Richard Pryor's meteoric rise Mm. um because actually uh i believe richard pryor was supposed to star as bart but uh because of like scheduling conflicts i think with another movie oh actually in the h this hbo max i'm glad lay lay some truth on us yeah Uh, and and push up your glasses as you do so call me out on my (laughs) bullshit matt the um (laughs) the the studio didn't want richard pryor because of his drug use and his um his profane stand-up 
Mm. So they didn't want him. They didn't. <laughs> yeah, right. Didn't you can't do this Mel Brooks movie. You swear too much. It's crazy. <laughs> wow. Uh, um, uh. I, there's another thing I want to point out, Patrick, about that scene that you're talking about, where they break into I Get a Kick Out of You, is that the, the white overseers mm-hmm. want them to sing a work song. And then when they hear I Get a Kick Out of You, then the white overseers proceed to sing um, Camptown Races in uh, African-American vernacular English. Right. The AAVE Minstrel-style performance. A little bit. And then when Bart and Curly, is that character's name? It was something like Shorty. Shorty Shorty, or something like that. Yeah. But Bart Bart and Shorty get on the, the hand car. When they start singing it, they are actually they don't use that dialect right yeah. like you know it's it's like them you know fully pronouncing going or i wagered my money on the bobtail nag like right. that kind of i one of but the things that i would say to myself and i still do every once in a while when the occasion arises is just go to camp town lady <laughs> I a la Bart when they ask him to say the camp tell like I feel like I usually will do it when I feel something slightly racist <laughs> like, I have taken so much from this ladies. movie that like there's stuff I'm hearing the lines and I'm like oh yeah like I have done oh dearie dear consistently since the first time <laughs> I I have also done work, 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 work. Howdy, boys. How's it going? Work, 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 work. (laughs) But, like, uh, this movie, um, one of the things about this movie, which I was talking about a little bit during the break, uh, you didn't get to hear that, audience. Screw you. Anyway. (laughs) um, But one of the things about this movie is that the speed and timing with which the jokes are handled, Mm. there, there is never... There is never a missed opportunity to make a joke, mm-hmm. even when that joke breaks the reality of the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, even when the joke makes no sense, it's just funny. It's yep. it's in there and it's fine. It works. It's it, like just a, a couple of quick examples. The first time we see Rock Ridge, when we get the introductory Rock Ridge song, we pass Howard Johnson's ice cream parlor, which proudly advertises one flavor. Yeah. <laughs> and later on um when they're building the replica of rock ridge bart says yeah down to the orange roof on howard johnson's outhouse mm-hmm. well for those of you who don't know or didn't watch mad men um there was a a hotel or motel uh chain it was called a, yeah, How- Hotel. Hotel. Howard yeah. johnson yeah Hotos, howard yeah. johnson that had orange roofs Yep. Now oh, they're absolutely. pretty much all gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think one of the things that they also had was a restaurant that was included as part of the hotel. And I think they had a pretty decent ice cream selection from what I. They also had remember. like one of the, I, I want to say they had one of the first buffets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That might've yep. been. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we, but it, it, it's just, it's just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like every time there's an opportunity to make a joke, the joke gets made. Yep. Yeah, and they're smart too. Like they're it's I've never this movie had I guess Mel Brooks does this. He he balances the slapstick with the really smart humor as well. Mm-hmm. Um my favorite one 
like the subtle humor was the uh, Headley, well, the whole Headley Lamar bit, I thought I loved. Yes. That early on, they talk about how Hedy Lamar could sue him. And they're like, no, it's 1874. We can sue her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. Um, yeah. I have killed more men than Cecil B. DeMille. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the whole, um, you know, late. this is later in the movie, but as the bandits are rushing off and Slim Pickens yells out, Head him off at the pass, yeah. and he deadly <laughs> turns to head him off at the pass. I hate that cliche. <laughs> Slim Pickett's first line: "What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here?" This movie is completely—it's set in 1874, <clears throat> except it's it, it, anachronisms are, are rife. We already talked about the hangman. You know, it's like oh, that yeah. kind of thing. And Bart himself, al- along with. Um, I want to say, well, Shorty too. Yeah. Uh, but when they're having a lot of their conversations, the 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 vernacular goes to contemporary. Yeah. For the time, seventy four. Like yeah. he uses "baby" a lot. He says, "I'm hip." Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. There's a part. There's a point where Madeline Kahn, speaking ger- uh, with her German accent, <laughs> also yeah. goes, "I dig it" or something like that. So. Yeah. I, gets very contemporary so the switching back and forth genius handled so well where it doesn't even like interrupt your no um also this movie they break the fourth wall yeah like Like really break the fourth wall yeah yeah (laughs) that moment that first time when harvey corman like i said yeah oh heart harvey 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 corman yeah um the first time he breaks the fourth wall where he's like thinking to himself, he's like, what am I going to do? I've got to get them out of there. What should I, what, what is the right plan? Why am I asking you? <laughs> As he's looking directly at the camera during that. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh. And then, and then Bart does it a few times. Yeah, Bart and then as there's well. a big, do we want to just dive into the big thing at the end? Cause again, we're not, it's, Plot's it's not really. Yeah, we're jumping. Right? And, oh, yeah, we're going. We're going to. Yeah, yeah. So they they have they have made the 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 fake Rock Ridge, which is actually the real Rock Ridge set. That's all they're showing <laughs> us is yeah. the Rock Ridge set, and then they get uh, the inhabitants of Rock Ridge get into a brawl with this army of ne'er do wells that Harvey Corman has mm. put together. The bandits. The bandits and. <laughs> We have a scene of a big brawl in the, in the fake Rock Ridge Main Street, and then we pull back and we see it's actually now, it's not just the set, it's the soundstage. It's the Warner Brothers soundstage, mm-hmm. right? And then we cut to the, the cafeteria, the commissary, <laughs> and uh, there's an actor playing Hitler because Mel Brooks is also is, is still taking shots at the Third Reich yeah. uh, and, Nazis in, <clears throat> and Nazis in general. Um, yeah. So... We cut there, and then the brawl spills over into the commissary, and there's a huge food fight. There's a guy shouting, get your pies for the great pie fight. <laughs> and that's what happens. It devolves into a pie fight because that it, the, the internal logic is now we're running on Marx Brothers Three Stooges. Question. Before we go to the cafeteria, don't we, we go, go to the other to set? The, we do go to the other set. set. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. 
Okay, so this is for me one of the parts that doesn't hold up. Yes, very as cringy. Much. Yeah. Uh, I have a question for people who maybe know more than I. Was Dom DeLuise gay? Yes. Yes. Okay. That makes so it's it okay s- that yeah. he said the word. It makes it slightly <laughs> less cringy, yeah. but still not great. I mean, it's clear Buddy is in the group. Yeah. Right. Um, um, and also it shown by the the fact that they defend Buddy. Yeah. Um, um, it's still, yeah, it's it's harsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, and, and it's like, you could do that, you just have to pull it back a little bit. Um, but even then, it's just... It's it's a scene of a bunch of guys in tuxes and top hats and canes dancing, and the problem is is that they're all acting stereotypically Hollywood gay. Mm-hmm. Um, Which again, I think, and I don't think I'm giving, maybe I am, but I don't think I'm giving Mel Brooks too much credit when I say that's it's also a commentary. I, I I don't know because I don't know the man's mind completely. Right. Anybody can do anything. Um, I want to believe because I love his work so much. Yeah. That it was, again, the only way, like, even with showing Buddy as so obviously queer, but he's still being kind of queer hating or queer yeah. aggressive. Um, it's yeah, it's Which, like I mean, his behavior is very common of gay men to, to act that way to other gay men, yes, exactly. Like I Which said, is, it, yeah, I it 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 makes me feel all confused inside. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a and it, this is a scene, like I said, the most judgment I will pass on it is that it, it didn't age well for me. But since I've already said I'm not a member of the queer community, there's a lot of stuff going on in here that I'm not going to pick up on. Well, I think if you look at, I mean, if you look at older movies where they have the big dance numbers, where you have like, I, you can watch those movies and be like, oh yeah, you know, it's, there's, I, I feel like it, it was also, I, I think I, w- I want to give Mel Brooks the, the benefit of the doubt as well and be like, I think that it is a commentary. Also, I, I have to point out, I did not realize that that was Dom DeLuise. Oh, really? <laughs> you just yes. said that. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. So everybody, I mean, again, it's 1974. Everybody's so young. Yes. You know? Gene yes, Wilder, yes, yes. Madeline Kahn, all of them just so young. Young, okay. yeah. Um, but it's if you think of it in the context of at that time what the representation of acknowledged gay characters i mean yeah then it's absolutely got to be some sort of commentary because the fact that they say they even go let's get them girls you yeah. know right but it's it's well, again it's hard to look back when we've had, you know, with this much distance and go say anything concretely. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I, I just want to point it out in the context of that, since we're talking about the clink tank, Rob uses she, her pronouns for everybody. Yes. Yes. It's, 
I, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Shout out to Rob who couldn't be with us today because couldn't be with us, Rob. Who probably get marrying someone <laughs> virtually somewhere. Uh, <laughs> with uh, as soon as I heard "Let's Get Them Girls," I immediately thought of yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I I do want to say that the one place the stereotypical gay character is subverted is the moment when the cowboy comes up to two two of the guys in tuxes, pushes one of them into the water, and the other guy breaks his cane over the cowboy's head, and then the cowboy calls him a pansy and pushes him into a, a little corridor that was like sort of cut through the set, and when they come out the other side, they've got their arms around each other, and the cowboy's like, well, I'm parked over by the commissary. Yeah. So. Which you could say is pointing out the, you know, clear closeted uh, homo- homophobia. Yeah. But it, it is. And things like that. I mean. Yeah. It, it's a scene that I, I thought was a lot funnier when I was 10. <laughs> yeah. 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 When you, yeah. When you're watching it and you're not thinking about, when you're so young, you're not really thinking about the layers that well, are there. Yeah. And also, you know, I was 10 and again in 1987 where like that's still what we thought all or what we were told that all gay people acted like. Yeah. 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 Um, and by we, I mean straight people specifically. Now to jump back, there was a moment that I thought was actually handled, I guess, uh, actually handled so well especially considering the times when uh, Alex Karras's character, Mongo, is, you know, they get a, Bart gets a letter from Hedley Lamar saying, releasing Mongo. And I really want to call him something else. I feel. (laughs) Uh, We just call him Alex Karras. Yeah. When Alex Karras, releasing Alex Karras's character, um he doesn't want to leave and uh bart is like why and he goes well basically that the sheriff is the first person to treat him kindly um well he's the first person to defeat him in combat well defeat him yeah also yeah defeat Uh, him and treat him defeat him and treat him yeah and gene wilder you know kind of off the cuff makes uh oh um looks like somebody's got a little crush on you and mongo just said yeah <laughs> just goes oh mongo straight and yeah. that's it yeah. there was no dick it was no negativity. like ooh, gross. yeah right yeah it was it was just a matter of fact statement right. and mm-hmm. i was like and and neither one made any comment after that and yeah. it was i was like and that was very well handled. Alex Kerr's sounds the, the the line reading is just bashful. Yeah, yeah. That's it. There, there's nothing else. There's no subtext. There's no supertext. It's exactly. just it's just yeah. Oh no, you know, like that kind of almost almost one could say he all it almost sounds like he wish he were gay. Oh so yeah, he or could yeah. Be. Yeah. maybe he, he does have yeah. a little crush and can't admit it. You know, it's like that uh, kind of who knows. Yeah, perhaps. But anyway, <laughs> back to the end of the movie. So the brawl gets bigger when it picks up the male dancers. 
it spills into the commissary. It gets bigger. There's even a great scene where the guy who's, you know, playing Hitler is for some reason standing on top <laughs> of the counter, Sieg Heiling, and then somebody pulls him off the counter. Yeah. Uh, but um, I mean, this is truly a Donnybrook. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this oh, boy, bro. Given the amount of food involved, it would have to be a slobber knocker. <laughs> a full on uh, Tilly. Uh, but the the brawl just keeps getting bigger and then it spills out of the studio and it sort of dissipates. That's the one is that once it gets out of the studio, we don't see the brawl anymore. The brawl stops. Mm-hmm. But there's this whole huge thing, and I think the point is, is that Mel Brooks in that that whole extended sequence is just pointing out the artificiality of movies, Mm -hmm. Hollywood and the movie lifestyle. Because one of the things that we get is a tour group going into the commissary and the tour group is like, sometimes movie stars eat here. And then they come out, they're splattered with food. (laughs) And it's like, and now we're going to the special effects department. It's like, and nothing has happened. We have to maintain this pretense that we're on the tour and that everything is normal. Right. Correct. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just this this brilliant sort of extent. And the, the meta commentary doesn't stop because Hedley Lamar runs out of the studio where he's filming this movie and goes to Man's Chinese and gets a ticket to watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. And well, then oh, well, only after telling his <laughs> cab driver to drive him off this picture. Drive yeah. him off this picture. <laughs> Blazing Inception. Blazing Inception. All so right, then I, wanted, I oh, hold, before before yeah, we yeah. move from here, uh, I have the question to the group. When cuz during that cafeteria scene, um he we see the door to the men's room of the cafeteria open and there's Harvey Corman slash uh, Hedley Lamar who peeks out, sees what's going on, gives a look and then goes back in. Mm-hmm. Do Who do you think in that moment that was? Was that Harvey Corman or was that Hedley Lamar? I I think it's still Hedley Lamar. I think so too, okay. um, but I I see where you're coming from. Yeah, only because he he comes out. I think it's when he comes out with the pie covered face, and then he keeps running. He's like, then the next scene is him coming out of the commissary into the street, saying, "Yeah, Let me off this picture." And it's interesting because Bart Hedley and Jim are all aware that they're in a movie. Mm-hmm. while at the same time still being in the movie. Right. Like, right. so Hedley goes into the theater. He sees Bart right up to the outside on a horse. So he spits out his raisinette and <laughs> runs out of the movie theater only to be accosted by Bart and they have a shootout. Right. And then Jim comes up and says, what are you going to do now? And it's like, well, I guess we're going to catch the end of the film. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they go in. Oh, I, Sharon I, I, popcorn. Yeah, sorry. I know. I just wanted to tag, but like the question I asked, I had to put yes, it sorry. as well. Oh <laughs> Patrick, I took the bit between my teeth and I ran with it. I'm sorry. I got excited. Um, I was just going to say, I've always felt, and I still kind of feel that when he opens that door, that's Harvey Corbin. And that look on that he gives is almost like, 
oh, we're still doing this shit. And then, <laughs> and then he snaps back and goes in. And when he comes out with the pie, back to being Headley Lamar. That's interesting. But that's just always how I've that's read that. Look, I, I just... Somebody tweeted Mel Pass. I just think that... that Interesting. So much of... Oh my God, I can't tell you how much Harvey Corbin dissed for me in this yeah. movie. Oh, the, the little looks and the size that he does are are so friggin' artful. That's why I, I mean, like like I said, that's what he gave me in that just that quick look. But um I hope that's the case because I think that's more interesting. So <laughs> I might have a, a quick misconception of what's going on in that moment. Mm-hmm. When he goes into the bathroom, are you saying he gets pied? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was under the impression that he like went into the bathroom to throw some stuff on his face so he could sneak out. Oh, oh that's also an interesting take too. Oh, interesting. Like and I, I could see <laughs> levels. Layers. Yeah. Layers. <laughs> or like a parfait. Or a parfait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, if it were the character. I saw the character go into the bathroom to do that. If he got pied in there, I think it is the actor. Huh. Nice. Interesting. Somebody tweeted Mel Brooks. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> Need answers. I'm just saying, it's not a bad idea. Lin Manuel Miranda responded to a tweet. Oh, well, there we go. Um, so, yeah, so we're back in the theater, right. and Bart and uh, Jim. Are sharing popcorn. Sharing popcorn. Um, uh, watching the movie. And, and very meta. They're, when they look at the screen, they're back in the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't see the screen. We just see what we've been seeing in the movie. And Bart's leaving town. Bart runs into Jim outside of town. Jim still has the popcorn on his chest. Right. So <laughs> while the movie is being made, they are watching the end of the movie while being in the movie as it's made. It's, 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 I, I, I don't know that that's <laughs> what, where he wants us to go, but it's, it's well, kind of beautiful. I absolutely. Well, also, because they ride off on their horses to a limo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then exactly. get into the limo and drive off into the and, sunset. And they and they take the horses the other direction. Yeah. And this, by the way, just to say, this was filmed at Vasquez Rocks, uh, which if you've ever seen an episode of Star Trek, the original series, and they went to a planet that was not a soundstage, <laughs> it was <laughs> Vasquez Rocks. And I think that actually gets end up ends up being used in every Star Trek series they yep. have a lot of places have yes a lot of places have used vasquez rocks in fact the movie free enterprise which is fairly enjoyable and not really about free enterprise at all has a scene where what's it what's it, the guy who played will and will and grace what's his name uh, eric, McCormick. McCormick. eric mccormick's character who's a big nerd uh goes to vasquez is that him or is it the other one one of the two main characters goes to vasquez rocks and does a, a picture shoot with his Spe- girlfriend. Speaking of big nerd, when yeah. uh, no, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, when you mentioned the tidbit about Vasquez Rocks and Star Trek uh, original series, as we are on Zoom do it re- doing this record, Gary literally had 
what has to be defined as a nerdgasm. He started to convulse and shake. He was on mute, so we couldn't hear anything. I was trying to be respectful. Like clean up on Al Gary. That's all. No, no, no. Leave it. Leave it. Um. So so yeah. There's just um. The, the meta ending of this movie, I think, honestly, what we're supposed to take from that, if anything, is, once again, the artificiality of the Western as it had been pre largely presented to American audiences. Now, you could say that spaghetti Westerns are different because they are, and they get grittier, they get nastier, they get meaner, but there's still a decided lack of people of color in those things. Yes, yes. But uh, but what we got in Blazing Saddles, um, through all of the racial slurs, and by God, there were many. <laughs> there were many. <laughs> um, the townspeople did grow. Yes. Um, and the reason Bart can leave is that now this town has become diverse and he has, you know, opened the people of Rock Ridge up to other races and they're going to live as a community. Can we can we talk about that moment actually the the moment where we see that happen for We can talk about anything we'll talk we want. <laughs> this is a crossover baby. Cuz <laughs> there's a moment where Bart comes up with the plan to build a separate rock ridge. And I think Howard Johnson brings up the point that they don't have the people or the time. And Bart says, uh, no, because then all of the railroad workers show up. And Bart's like, they just want some land to homestead on. And the town mayor says, we'll give land to the N-words and a slur against Chinese people but we won't take the Irish. Yeah. This is important. <laughs> I don't, again, I don't know that this, I, I think Mel Brooks may have, might've thought it was just funny for something to say because anti-Irish sentiment was pretty strong because there was, which was also coupled, I'm not going to get into this, I promise. It was also coupled to a largely anti-Catholic sentiment mm -hmm. in the States because Protestant Irish had been emigrating to the United States for a very long time, and you didn't see the same backlash as you did after the famine when the Catholic Irish started migrating in uh, large quantities. But whiteness is a concept. <laughs> it is something made up by white people to make ourselves feel superior to people who have more melanin. Mm -hmm. The Irish were not considered white until the 20th century. Mm. That was, a, that, this is actually a thing. You could yep. look at, you could look at prejudices and race relations and stuff like this. The Irish were not considered white until the 20th century, which is something that also happened for the Italians and the Jews. Huh. Yeah. And mm -hmm. my guess, and I haven't studied this, but my guess is it largely had to do with the emigration of black people from the country into the cities. Okay. But mm -hmm. that's something we can talk about later. But that joke is- <laughs> That's a that, shot of history. It's that, a shot of history, <laughs> a quick shot of history. Yeah. Um, but that joke is brilliant 
because whether intentional or not, it really skewers whiteness as a concept. Yeah. And I love it for that reason. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I also think that that's intentional because oh. it is, it is something that is so it, it, there's a, there's a very long history of, of the Irish and, and, you know, I, there was a, there was a town in West Virginia um, that um, had to change its name specifically because it was an Irish name, Drotty, and they wouldn't put a, um, post office in a town that was named after someone in in someone of Irish descent, so they had to change the name. And it's just so there's a long history of that. So I, I do think that it is somewhat intentional. Mm-hmm. That that I think that Mel Brooks definitely did that intentionally. Oh, I think it's deliberate. I think it's very very deliberate. Yeah, and and I love it. <laughs> I love it. Can so, I tell you? Can I tell you what I love real quick? No. Well, I'm telling you anyway. You're the one it's a crossover. You're the one person not allowed. Go. <laughs> My favorite scene is the fart scene. The yeah. scene. <laughs> that is good. That's my, I could not stop laughing. <laughs> and when he came out, it's like, it sounds like, it smells like you had too many beans. Yeah. And it was just, I, I like a good fart joke. And oh, it, yeah. that never, that, that will never get old. Oh yeah, that when he when they, when he comes out and he's <laughs> waving at the air with his hat, and you hear day player with one line go, yeah. "How about some more beans, Mr. Taggart?" <laughs> I say you'd had enough. <laughs> yeah, do you know that was something where he almost couldn't like the movie got in trouble because of that scene. Oh no! <laughs> and I think he did have to cut it down slightly. He oh, did. Man. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I. Yeah. I I remember hearing something like that. Like it was much longer oh. at one point. It's like, <laughs> something. Oh. Yeah, it, it's, and it's all, all it is is a bunch of guys sitting around a campfire and one guy makes a fart noise. You hear one fart noise and then it's just a chorus of <laughs> fart noises and burps until Slim Pickens comes out. Well, I do want to specify, he's not making a fart noise. He's farting. He's farting. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. And every time they fart, everyone else. Every time they fart, they like sit up a little bit. <laughs> and it's like a little lean over. Yeah. I did think, yeah, again, artful in that choreography. Artful. Of, uh, artful <laughs> if, yes, I see what you did there. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, of uh, Yeah, how each person had a very distinct way of uh, letting their fart go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh wow! Also, as you pa- as we're panning up on the campfire, uh, I can't remember exactly what the sign said, but it was like authorized personnel only. Please knock on barbed wire. But again, that's that's what I was talking about earlier. They don't. If there is a chance to make a joke, they if do, there is yeah. a chance, right. they take it with both hands and kiss it full on the mouth. That's all I'm saying. Um, um, there's there's another thing that uh, I actually I stole this bit for a play once. So I'll tell you what the bit is, and then I'll tell you about the play because that's what I like to do. Just talk about things that I've done where I stole stuff from Mel Brooks. Um, but there's the scene where Hedley Lamar brings Bart into Lepetamine's office to essentially get legitimized or to get mm-hmm. permission to make him sheriff. 
And Lepetamine is cross-eyed, right? So he has a problem with depth, depth perception and seeing. So he he's like, he whistles and he's like, come here, have you gone crazy? And he grabs Bart by the shoulders because Bart actually steps yeah. forward. Yeah. He says, have you gone bad? Can't you see this man is a nit? And then he stops. He cuts it off there. Because he sees he's talking to Bart. And he's, oh, I'm sorry. Very intense. No offense intended. Brings it back. And then grabs Headley Lamar and says, have you gone mad? Can't you see this man is a nit? And just again, there's no reason for him to stop there, but he does. (laughs) And it's perfect. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, Because technically he never says the word either. And I was going to say, I wonder if Mel Brooks himself was, would be uncomfortable saying it or, and like work that in as an op- opportunity to not say it. <laughs> yeah, probably. That would make uh, sense. And uh, also, I mean, if we were going to, if we want to like super analyze. Yes. Um, <laughs> Haven't we been doing that? We have. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, it, because. Um, Lepetamine isn't evil per se. He's corrupt, but like he's almost walking a line because in the end, he's also standing, he stands with the good guys. Well, I, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he, when he sees the letter from them, he says, this is happening. We have to take care of them. Right. Yeah. Um, and like the, his reasoning while Headley Lamar is, you know, chooses Bart because he, he knows that the people of Rock Ridge will, or he, he believes the people of Rock Ridge will, you know, kill him. There, he's yeah. like, it's the worst possible choice to send who would be so offensive to to send in as the new sheriff. Which, in a way, the plot of Blazing Saddles is not unlike the plot of the producers. Correct. It, yeah. It's like, what is the worst possible choice we can make at this point? Mm-hmm. And yet it succeeds. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. Agree. Yeah. Uh, and then... But it's Lepetamine who is like, like you said, are you kidding? First thing he says is they'll kill it. You know, Lepetamine is like, you'll kill him. You know, they'll, you can't send him in here. And it's when he is, the way um, Headley convinces him is by using his um, ambition against him. He's like, you know, this will get you a cabinet post and possibly, you know, to the presidency. He's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. Do it. But that's also a very progressive argument. Yeah. It's like, this is going to make your name. This is going to make you more important. This is going to be good for you, which is not an argument that anyone in that situation in 1974 would have been using, I think. Right. Correct. No. Yeah. By the way, uh, folks, if you want to go look them up, there were actually black lawmen at the time. Oh, so, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, I can't remember his first name, but there was a uh, a gentleman named Bass. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah. but the thing I wanted to tell you, which is all about me again, now we're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was in a production of Taming of the Shrew, which is intensely problematic. Uh, <laughs> and it was being done by a guy who'd gone to Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Clown College. And I was playing uh, 
Gremio, who is the old suitor of the young mm-hmm. Bianca. He's, uh, if you know um, uh, Commedia dell'arte at all, he's the pantalone of, mm-hmm. of that particular play. And at one point we got uh, my friend, Scott Johnson, who is black to play Petruchio. Scott Johnson is right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, an, that's another one I will, I will use. Like I will like uh, my friend, I had a friend, Ben Johnson in college. And every time he'd say something, I'd be like, Ben Johnson is right. <laughs> well, and then the, the entire city, it has that placard of all the people from the city. Yeah. And they're all the Johnsons. They're all named Johnson. <laughs> and that could be read as it's an inbred town. Uh, which I have been. That's the way I have been reading. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. So, so there's a scene where we find out that Petruchio has come to woo Katerina so that all the rest of us are free to try to uh, marry her younger sister. So I grab Scott around the shoulders and I'm like, Baptista, hast thou gone mad? Canst thou not see this man is a more, more suitable? Uh, but anyway, so that's what I did. It's more... <laughs> M-O-O-R. Yes. Yeah, so anyway. Yeah. But that was... I was just hoping you weren't going to say that he then said, where are the white women at? (laughs) (laughs) I wish he had, that would have been great. Um, That is also another one of my favorite moments in the movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just, they're they're trying to sneak in to Hedley Lamar's army to figure out what's going on, and they see a couple of clan members... (laughs) <laughs> and Gene Wilder just says, hey, hey boys, look at what I got over here. And then pulls Cleavon Little out from behind a rock. And Cleavon Little just looks around, confused, and says, hey, where are all the white women at? <laughs> and of course they... Well, oh, it's just because he says it in such a, like, why wouldn't you be asking that question? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, Gary? Well, um, so, I mean, that gets kind of into the history of the big history of racism Mm -hmm. and the portrayal of the black man wanting to attack and rape all the white women. Mm -hmm. And that was a big uh, thing for the Klan was, what's that stupid effing movie? Birth of the Nation? Thank you. Yes, yes, that they use that kind of like as a guide of like, this is the behavior of black people and they want to rape and kill our women. Yeah, well, I mean, it, 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 black people have been hypersexualized. It's not, it's not just the dudes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's because it's an excuse for white people to be terrible in mm-hmm. different ways, but that's why that's there. Uh, white people are the worst it is well the i mean it's the same worst. it's the same logic that like no, no it's true. seriously they're the worst, the yeah. worst. <laughs> um, but it's it's the same sort of logic that that goes or the same sort of thing that goes well uh asian women are submissive it's yeah. the same yeah. it's the same bullshit trope mm-hmm. for pretty much the same bullshit reason um i want to take this moment to because that's going to segue. 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 Uh-huh. Cheers. Cheers. Um, crossover cheers. Crossover, crossover cheers. cheers. <laughs> uh, to talk about Madeline Kahn. Oh, oh thank you. Because <laughs> we have not. Yeah. Too soon. Um, so, and the way I'll 
segue is that they kind of turn that once again that that um, fear that white prejudiced white men have uh and kind of just blast it out when they're in the dark and she <laughs> and what uh lily von stupp and um, Bart are about to become intimate, intimate, and the screen is completely dark, black, and you hear her say, is it true what they say about you guys being gifted? <laughs> and then the next lines are, oh, it's true, it's true, it's true, it's true. <laughs> but, so, but before that, she blows out the electric... The electric oh, I thought they were hands. Yeah. No, they're electric. No, okay. they actually have handles. My grandmother had those lamps. Oh. <laughs> and they have this the entire room, which is it just very well black. Lit. It's so white. <laughs> would, would they Would they have in 18... 18- no, it would have been it probably would have been gas. It would have been gas. It would have it would have been gas, right. been gas but, right. but on, on the set. On the yeah. set itself, yeah. they oh, are yeah. electric. They are <laughs> clearly definitely electric lamps. Yeah, yeah clearly they lose them out. <laughs> and the whole room goes dark. I want to I want to talk a little bit more about that scene and that actually uh, full transparency here on Arrow Chapter Verse. Um <laughs> I have to go soon. But okay. like like yeah. really soon. But I just want to talk so Lily von Stupp has been sent by Hedley Lamar to seduce and abandon the sheriff. Mm-hmm. But he's apparently so good in bed, not unlike James Bond, that she's now flipped over to his side. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me about that scene is that a much later movie called Undercover Brother yep. uses the same type of honeypot where Denise Richards... Uh, comes in as, as I believe they refer to her as the black man's, black man's kryptonite. kryptonite. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it it would be interesting to do a fuller discussion of how it's handled in Blazing Saddles versus how it's handled in Undercover Brother. Yes, um, because in Undercover Brother he does succumb. He starts wearing his, you know, his his hair isn't kept as natural as it once was, and he starts buttoning up and he loves mayonnaise. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I, I thought that it was very interesting that she's a um, an American actress playing a German, and again, in the the reverse of that is often true in the Western world, right? Like you had these in many instances, you have these foreign actresses who are trying to be American, and she has this very very thick German accent, and she. She she has her song is I'm so tired, <laughs> which, which is uh, which well, is she's freaking brilliant. Like what? it is just, it is so funny. Sorry, Patrick. No, I was just going to say. Well, she's 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 playing Marlena Dietrich. Yes, right. yeah, that's uh, who she's supposed to. Be. Oh, okay. And just for those of you who are perhaps not as um, culturally Jewish as as me. Um, <laughs> Stup is Yiddish yeah. for fuck. Yes. So her name is Lily von Fuck. That's, Lily von that's, fuck. And, and, and her whole song is about how she's she's tired of, of doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's so funny. But she was gold. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, like, has again, she ever not been? Is there a movie where she's not? There is no. not. Not there is not. No. I mean, um, Clue, Young Frankenstein. Uh, she's just 
and I would pay, I would bet money that moment where she's on stage and singing and she reaches for to lean on the and, side and, of the stage and misses yeah. and then finds it. I bet that was all her. All, oh, yeah, yeah. Either ad lib or she actually did it and then just they kept it. <laughs> But now, let's see if you are. Oh, dear. No, he's not. There, he hasn't there we go. No, but remember when I said I had to leave soon? Uh-huh. It's now, now is the time. Is that that yeah. time? Right. Okay, well, before, before you go, Seth, because yes. this is a crossover. Crossover! Yes. Crossover! crossover. Um, I wanted to know, with using the Kevin Bacon rules, yes. you know how this movie connects to... The Arrowverse. Oh my lemons! Um, <laughs> I, I oh, dear, don't. Dear. Uh, but the, before we, oh dearie dear. But before we hear that, I just want to say Front Street A plus. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, this movie stars Jane Wilder. Yes, who was on Will and Grace. Oh, oh that's it, right. Um, who, uh, which Brendan Ralph was on an episode of Will and Grace where he played Hal Linden's boy toy. And Brendan Routh, as we know, is on is Up Tomorrow and is from Ray Palmer and occasionally Superman. Superman. Yes. So this movie connected. That's good. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well thanks for for joining Seth. Well thanks thanks, thanks for having for joining your podcast. <laughs> This has been a lot of fun, uh, and of course we will we will do it again soon. Uh, probably where I'm just on the clink tank for whatever reason. <laughs> anyway, uh, bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye, Seth. And then, um, so let's just you know we're we're close to being done as well. But let's I we just started talking about Madeline Kahn, and I feel like we can't just <laughs> we can't that, leave that without. No, I mean it's it's you know, reflective of her life. <laughs> uh, she, I really hate that I discovered her existence after she died. Oh. Oh. I but think I did too. Really? I'm pretty sure her and um, um, uh, the Saturday Night Live uh, oh, Gilda Radner? Gilda Radner, yeah. Oh. oh, another great one. Yeah. Um, but there's such a wealth of her work both there of is yeah, yeah. Uh, well not as much Gilda Radner but no. um but definitely Madeline Kahn like and especially with Mel Brooks movies um mm-hmm. she is just her brilliance comic genius like he said no like Seth said timing of this magnitude <laughs> is hard to find um Anybody else want to bring up anything about the movie? Well, one of my, I just wanted to say my, my favorite line in the movie was towards the end where Roger Corman. Um, Harvey Corman. I'm sorry, Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman is uh, at the Chinese Grand Theater and he sees the Douglas Fairbanks <laughs> hands and feet and he's down next to him. He's like, how did he do all those stunts with such tiny feet? <laughs> it was, his dying words. That's what's yeah. amazing. <laughs> uh, I one of my favorite 
lines, and there are so many, um, is when um, when Lily Bunstrup is tied up and talking to Hedley Lamar, and uh, he Hedley is saying how you know the the beast didn't work the beauty didn't work and he's like what what do we do now she's like he's too you can't take him he's too good for you he, he, uh gosh he, oh, he says he's too big for you i know it's like, <laughs> uh, uh, who sean did you have a favorite line I I wrote down he's like wet sauerkraut in yeah. my hand. <laughs> <laughs> like that was that just got me. It was perfect. Oh. Again, her delivery is phenomenal. She was she by far was was my favorite and it, as she normally is in anything she's in. She was phenomenal. Gary. Um well I I have one i'll say my favorite line but as i'm saying it i also want to say uh this is the calmest i've ever seen gene wilder in film yeah oh my god yes. i noticed that too yeah and so like that was a very it was interesting to get to see him in that kind of uh dynamic he yeah. very much took like a he was a truly supporting role yeah yeah really was just there to support the story and Cleveland little All right, well so and, and to show like a and I, I promise this ties into my favorite line and to show just kind of the, he never really needs to, uh, he, he never, like from go, he sees himself and Bart as equals. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, that's just how it is. And that's just how he plays it. And, not, and then subsequently, one might say a Barack and Biden <laughs> hey, this isn't the clank tank. We can talk about it's a crossover. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. No, I'm saying it's a crossover. So yes, you, oh, you, yeah. this is one. This is where you're allowing it. Yeah. So, so like a little Biden and and Barack thing, where white guy steps back and lets the black guy run the show because he's doing a damn good job. Right. Yeah. Like do it. <laughs> so my favorite line was his, which was. What's a dazzling urbanite like you doing in a rustic setting like this? <laughs> My favorite Gene, Lyle, Gene Wilder line was, again, yeah, and, and very much on the same vein as you're saying, Gary, is when they first meet and, Bar, uh, and Jim is hanging upside down, drunk in a cell, and uh, oh, uh, Bart looks at him and goes, are we awake <laughs> and gene wilder goes are we back <laughs> and yes we are <laughs> then we are awake <laughs> and very confused yeah. <laughs> the delivery on that uh-huh. was beautiful yeah yes um again wow. both of them they had great chemistry they had they great did. chemistry and um I really liked the dynamic between those two, and I really liked, and I wish there was more of it, of Mel Brooks and and Harvey Corman. I wish they had a little more. I I wish Mel Brooks put himself more into a role with him, like Mm -hmm. had more being cahoots, because I thought they were, especially, they were also very over the top. So it was almost like two different um, 
levels like weight levels of comedy yeah. there yeah and i kind of wish there's a little bit more of that dynamic oh my god when when they're passing out the the batten balls the paddle balls <laughs> yeah <laughs> and mel brooks every time like just cannot hit the ball for shit he yeah. said mine is warped why is that the warped one <laughs> and harry Corbin picks it up and he's like bat 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 absolutely right so <laughs> show off um, i have a question for you all so what where does this rank for you in mel brooks movies mm, i have to be honest low is it lower yeah i really enjoy history of the world i really enjoy uh young frankenstein mm-hmm. and uh space balls mm-hmm. Th- this and I, maybe it's a generational thing i think i have, I, I can't yeah. get past the 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 slurs mm-hmm. um i agree with you actually not uh, even without this the slurs i think I would probably put it towards the bottom too. Uh, and I thought this was, movie was, I like this movie, but I think uh, my favorite is the original producers of his and um, Young Frankenstein and that I really liked Men in Tights too. Um, and I think those would be my, my top three at the moment. This one would probably be like above Dracula, Dead and Loving It. But I <laughs> think that's gosh. such a huge, I, I think it's such a huge gap though. Like yeah. Blazing Saddles was much better than Dracula Dead and Loving It. Mm. And I don't think I've seen, I think he did another movie and I, I, I don't think I saw that one. Um, and I enjoyed Spaceballs. I'd probably put Spaceballs slightly above it. Sean? Hmm. Um, I, so I've only seen Spaceballs, uh, Young Frankenstein in this one. Um, those are the only three that I've seen. And I think out of those three, uh, just... I, I was I always have been a huge Star Wars fan, so I think Spaceballs is mm-hmm. what is top for me. I love that movie. Um, I also really, really love Young Frankenstein. I think out of those three, this would be my my third ranking out of mm-hmm. out of the th- only three that I've seen. You haven't seen Men in Tights, huh? Oh, so for me, um, I really feel like. Barring the slurs um, and like the other insensitivities, um, when when those aren't happening, I think this movie sings. Like just the, like I said, everything Harvey Corman's doing, Mm. just about everything Mel Brooks is doing, everything that Madeline Kahn is doing just the there isn't a lot of wasted film in this film that is uh, true, yeah and again different made at a different time this is this is a classic to me it's it's um and so while i do find like i said the language jarring because times have so changed um i still i still heart this movie um, so this is at the top of, and I think I've seen all <laughs> of Bell Brooks's movies mm. just about, um, my favorite is, <sighs> that's so hard to say. It's like choosing a favorite child. Um, <laughs> all good. yeah, but I, I think my favorite is young Frankenstein. 
Um, and then I would say, uh, who, oh, Spaceballs, this I would put third. Uh, then I would put, um, oh, it just flew out of my head. History of the world. Uh, History of the world. Um, and then like high anxiety. Uh, that's the one I haven't seen. Is that a good one? I haven't seen that either. It's really good. Um, it's a, it's his take on a Hitchcockian. Oh, right, right. Sort of, um, uh, like Vertigo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I bet that's funny. It is. And it's, and it's very heavily, uh, starring Madeline Kahn as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, so that oh, a, is, oh, go a, ahead. I'm sorry, real quick question for you. Where did you see, I think my, um, I saw all his other movies probably like 10 to 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think I just have a more, a fonder memory of them. I haven't seen them in a long time. Right. Where did you see Blazing Saddles? Like in the, I saw one of his I, first ones. I first saw Blazing Saddles at the drive-in with my family so back in detroit so that yeah. also could have a, a very large sure you know placing it in my heart uh and then you know it was one of the first movies that we got when it came got on uh dvd mm-hmm. or VH. might even have been we may have even had the vhs it was beta was it a we Betamax? Did, we didn't have a Betamax we machine, a beta. so <laughs> <laughs> we had a friend who worked uh, at a um, for like a, a electronics store, and he was like, "Dude, don't don't buy a Betamax machine." It's he's like, "It's it's a, he's like it's better quality, but it's not gonna. He's like, it's gonna go away. It's gonna go away." Smart. <laughs> but no, yeah. Um, so even though, like I said, I had seen it many, many times, even just like, again, watching it tonight, those, you know, those slurs just, they, they cut. Yeah, I, they do. They, Definitely. They, you, I mean, they stand out so much. And also, you know, I, I wish we'd uh, mentioned earlier that, you know, there's some, you know, rape jokes that mm-hmm. could go away. Um, oh yeah, quite easily, but quite openly. Yeah, <laughs> but blazing saddles. <laughs> what you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I probably won't watch this again. And, and that's valid. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like I said, coming to now, my opinion could be completely different if I were just discovering it. If I, right, right. if this was my first time viewing it, I, I probably would feel like, um, have a very different opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I do get some, uh, some, not validation, but I feel a little better about it knowing that, cause you can, if you know Richard Pryor's work, you can hear his voice in this script. Sure, yeah. You know, especially in a lot of what Bart is saying. So that does make me at least feel a little more comfortable. Not much more, but a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that's our Blazing Saddles crossover. Crossover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we only lost one of the hosts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that guy pulling out. But he's the one who set this whole thing up. <laughs> no, I we love and understand it. Um, so I don't know if we necessarily want to do a final thought, but uh, I think we will keep this in the crossover vein and just say good night or goodbye. Sure. <laughs> good night, goodbye. I'll yeah. say them both. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love as, as I've been watching, you know, again, we're doing this via Zoom and uh, both Sean and Gary's rooms <laughs> yes, they're very dark. Have, have gone to black as the sun has gone down. It's, it's like I blew out my electric lights. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Gary looks like he's about to star in yeah. uh, the, the new Blair Witch. <laughs> Is that a fire going? What was that light? Oh, I have this light. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it dims and, and gets brighter. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to like oh. help, help you go to sleep or help babies go to sleep. Oh, nice. oh okay. Nice. I thought you were just hosting the world's tiniest ray. All right. Well, for the clink tank, and I guess I can also say for Arrow Chapter and Verse, as I am one of those, um, thanks for listening and uh, be safe, be well, be happy, be back with us later. Okay. All right. Four times a month. Yes. Yeah. I'm Patrick Donahue. I'm Maddie Box. Johnny B. Gary Bernard Donardo. And uh, bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>